Hey, what's up? This is Trey Pierce, audio engineer, digital director, director of financial planning and analysis, senior creative director of AR, program director, morning show host, and you're listening to the Springboard. 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 Springboard Music Podcast. They're not interested in my brand of radio anymore. They want a TikTok superstar or a YouTube superstar. And then they will figure out how to mold and train them into what they need on their radio station. That's what I'm up against now if I'm still going to chase this thing down. Corey Mann is a true renaissance man. He lives in South Bend, Indiana, but has a highly successful podcast called What Else with Corey Mann. He is a host on his local radio station, radio programmer, a professional kazooist, and also is a frequent Comic-Con attendee. This interview is going to be nothing short of entertaining. So without further ado, I am so, so excited for you to get to know my good friend, Corey Mann. I was thinking about how to introduce you. And then I was like, I don't know how to pick just one thing. Obviously, we're here to talk about radio programming. But you're also a podcaster. You draw. You are a Comic-Con attender. You dance. You, um, kazoo. What am I forgetting? What am I leaving out of the list? I am a failed stand up comedian. Have you really like gone up and done? You have? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing about stand up comedy, and I think any comedian will tell you this it's repetition. And the more you do it, and the more you work the craft, much like anything. And I just don't have time. And so I have to use the analogy of, when you go to Applebee's and they have the sampler platter, comedy was another hot wing I was putting on an already full platter. Mm-hmm. Something's going to fall off, you know, along the wayside. So if there's something you really want to do, let's say podcasting for you, you got to remove the street tacos and put the wing on there, you know, yep. or something's going to fall off. I would rather do one or two things really well at a hundred percent, not seven or eight things at 25% each. Yeah. And to take that analogy even further, not only is it going to fall off, but if you eat it all, you're going to feel disgusting. I remember, uh, you were the first person to serenade me by kazoo. Um, thank you. It was truly a magical experience. No, I want to, I want to circle back on the comedy thing. How long ago was that? pre-pandemic. Oh, so like since I've known you. Mhm. Yes, yeah, so you know, and I live in a small town, so there's one open mic and there are anywhere from 20 to 25 to 30 people wanting their 5 minutes along with me and because of the hours I keep, which you know, I do morning show, I cannot hang out at a bar on a Tuesday night until 10:30 waiting for my 5 minutes. Right. So, I mean, if I really wanted to chase after it, I could go to social media or TikTok or whatever. But there is something about audience participation and getting that response and does this work? Does this not work? It is one of the hardest things I've ever done. But when it does land, it's amazing. You can see how people get get the, the shot in the arm from it. Yes. And, you know, there's a guy uh, in a lead singer of a band, Duran Duran. Are you familiar with them? I am. It's not nerves, he says, when he's about to walk on stage. It is a culmination. Uh, it's not fear. It's a culmination of the chemistry of your head 
and the butterflies in your stomach coming together and figuring out a way to work together because you're so excited about that moment. It's not a fear thing. It's like, call out what it is. Um, and that is when you step on stage and go, all right, you got your five minutes. Here we go. I had my therapist actually tell me that one time I was like, I'm just so nervous about this. She's like, what if you just stop saying that you were nervous and just start saying you're excited? Like, it, that, that's really what that feeling is. It's, it's like this overwhelmingness of excitement. So just reframe it. Yeah, exactly. The, a huge, I mean, there were tons of reasons why I wanted to talk to you and have you on this podcast. One of them being you have done an excellent job at maximizing your space in a small town. You have been Christian Music Broadcasters Personality of the Year in 2011. You are, for this year, 2023, the Podcast of the Year nominee and Small Market Radio Station of the Year nominee. And you're in South Bend, Indiana. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast would think, well, I don't live in Nashville or I don't live in New York. I don't live in LA. I don't live in Texas. How, how have you been able to do that? Bloom where you're planted. I've got a lot of things against me. And against is the wrong word. Uh, I have a wife who's from this area. She's open to moving, but it's got to be the right fit. I have a 25-year-old daughter who is 90 minutes down the road starting her own life. That would be difficult for us. And I've got a 16-year-old who's still depending on me to do what I do. And he's attached to his high school. So there have been opportunities along the way. And there are opportunities in front of me right now where I could do something much bigger from the mothership of South Bend, Indiana, which, you know, might happen. So your mom was right. Bloom where you're planted. We've already talked about how talented you are and the different facets and interests and interests you have. Did you know radio programming and hosting was going to be it from the get-go? Yes. I think I am a part of a generation where you go to high school, you learn some sort of craft, and then you stick to that craft the rest of your life. Where my 25-year-old graduated from college with a marketing and communication degree, sat home during the pandemic, and it was revealed to her, let's call it God, I want to be a teacher. So she goes back to school for one year at Taylor University online. And now she's a first-time sixth-grade teacher. That had nothing to do with those three years that she went to Grace College. Her generation, that's okay. You know, I'm going to do this for 10 years, and I'm going to go do this thing for 10 years. Where my age, 53, you stick with, you stick with who took you to the dance. So I could lazily say to you, Rachel, well, it's all I know how to do. But here comes the next piece of wisdom for you. Do what you love and then figure out a way to get paid for it. That to me is radio. I I love radio broadcasting. Got a face for it. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's just what I know how to do. Now, I've done other things that you've mentioned. I love to draw. Uh, I love to uh, create. I love the podcast world. But it's also it's a branch of radio. It's a branch of the creative side of what I'm working with. So when you went to college, you went to college for, where did you go? I went to college for 30 days. Wait, so you didn't graduate? Nope. I grew up listening to Chicago radio. If you know anything about Chicago radio, 
especially in the 70s and 80s. This is rock star level radio. This is oh, personality yeah. driven radio. So I'll name drop Stephen Gary in the morning, Kevin Matthews in the midday, Jonathan Brandmeier, uh, Larry Lujak, a guy named Barsky, Man Cow, locally the guy that I knew, Jim Gifford and the Champions of Breakfast, horrible morning show name. <laughs> uh, my schooling was listening to them all the time. And so I graduated from high school, didn't know what I wanted to do. Enrolled in a local community college. My parents went through a messy divorce, and I was kind of right in the middle of it. Also at a weird age at 18 to go through something like that. And uh, I threw in the towel and just kind of worked goofy jobs. UPS, a local department store, Wendy's, a grocery store. I was super lost, Rachel, super lost. And then I got a wild hair one day. And I called the request line of my local radio station and Jim Gifford, the morning show guy answers the phone. And I said, look, I'm 18 going on 19. I am lost. I love radio. I, I think I love what you do. May I please come watch what you do and just see for myself. And he says, wow. yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to see the whole thing? And I said, yes. And he goes, then come with me and do the full morning show six to 10. And I was like, wow, that's early. You know, I'm 18 <laughs> years old. Yeah. And so I went and it was, it was uh, the wizard pulling back the curtain in the Wizard of Oz of like, oh my gosh. And we hit it off. And he, at, uh, at 10.01 AM that day, he said, Corey, I've got a shift that no one will work. It is Saturday night at midnight till Sunday morning at eight. This is pre-automation. So it's live. We, yeah. weren't, we weren't talking the word automation yet. So he says, you've got to be awake and you got to be on. You got to run a church show from six to seven. You got to run a Spanish hour from seven to eight. And I'm going to give you $3.35 an hour. I was like, what? I'm a millionaire. <laughs> I'm going to play songs. And my friend Chuck and I were just talking about this two days ago. I would have done it for free because in that moment I found out what I loved and now I'm starting to figure out how to get paid for it. And that was fall of 1988. I love what you said. You called up your local radio station and you said, Hey, I'm lost. Vulnerability. Number one connection. Number two of, I love what you do. And then opportunity. Number three, can I come see what you do? You, had you not done that, it could have taken you a lot longer to get your first break, if that's what we want to call it, right? Um, I'm curious, what genre was that station? Because I know you've worked in two different genres. It was uh, like Top 40 Mainstream. Top 40 Mainstream. By the way, I do not like Top 40 Mainstream. Why is that? Uh, have you heard the 90s music? It is the worst decade of music in the history of music. I will debate and argue with you on this. It's horrible. But luckily, I came in at the end of the 80s where that music was fantastic. But when you start shifting and we get subgenres of stuff and Nirvana changes the ball game, it's just, it was bad radio, bad radio. And I'm sorry, bad music. Radio was fun. It was a lot of fun. Did you know that at the time when you were in it? No, no. just looking back. Yeah, looking back. So you got to be proactive. This is a great lesson. You got to be proactive. 
you never should wait for the help wanted sign in the window. If you want to go work somewhere, walk in there and ask, you know, um, networking. It would be my number two, or if not number one deal, networking and talent, networking and talent. It's all about who you know in this business. The doors have opened for me because, uh, as my friend Steve Swanson would say, I heard you before I saw you. And Ooh, that's he, good. he said it jokingly, but my reputation has gone before me. And it's because of networking and talking to people and getting to know them. And it's getting getting your foot in the door because your name was already there. Would you say that there's any strategy or thought that goes into what genre of a station you should start at? Because I would think like if you can get in at an oldie station, do it. If you can get in at an AM station, do it. Like, is there any strategy to that? When we were live and I'm sitting there for four hours or five hours at night, I think you want to like the music you're playing. I, I think. I mean, the ball game, Rachel, is so differently now on air talent and voice tracking. <clears throat> you know, the big companies, they've got one voice tracker doing so many stations. I am so lucky to be a unicorn and still get to be live in that other room. And I'm also on in Oklahoma in the afternoon. I'm very lucky that Tony uh, uh, allows me to do that. But, you know, let me pull back the curtain on a particular network for you and I. You ready for this? I'm ready. They're not interested in my brand of radio anymore. They want a TikTok superstar or a YouTube superstar. And then they will figure out how to mold and train them into what they need on their radio station. That's what I'm up against now if I'm still going to chase this thing down. Why is that? Like to stay hip? I do think to be optimistic, like we were talking earlier, I think they're looking for the diamond in the rough. I think when you're welcoming talent through the door, do you want them with a couple of suitcases of baggage? Or do you want them open-handed and ready to learn and mold and whatever? Um, depends on your management skill and, and what you're looking for. Is there, I've always wondered this, so I'm so excited because our listeners know that I come from radio promotion. So it's really fun to talk to a programmer in an unscripted, un, you know, just just not our typical call times type of way. Is there a general hierarchy at a radio station? Like when people are looking for jobs or hear of someone in a certain position, is there a way to tell where they fall on the totem pole? Yeah. Titles come in uh, right above me is the CEO of our company. Uh, down the hallway from him is the general manager. And then it starts breaking down to program director, operations manager, general sales manager, engineer, somebody's always answering to somebody else. A small station like this, I'm wearing multiple hats. So here's um, here's operations manager. Here's program director, as you know. Here's music director. Oh, by the way, here's morning show host. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's a little bit of promotions. Here's a little bit of production. You know, there's radio stations that have uh, a working staff, and this is the low end of 40 people here. You ready? Four. Oh, my word. Four. And you got to figure out how to make it work. 
We touched on a little bit that you started in mainstream top 40 and now you're in Christian radio. What is it like to switch formats? What are some like, I don't know, like faux pas when you switch or something you should know when you switch? Everything I've done in my life has led up to this moment right here with you. Okay. I believe in the power of story. Uh, Hindsight is very helpful. Like, I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through at the moment. But when you get to a point like this, you go, oh, and I'm a believer. For those of you that are wondering, I believe in God. I believe Jesus said who he said he was. I believe he came back on the third day and I've decided I'm following him the rest of my life. And so everything filters through that. So when I look back at mainstream radio, I look at a 15, 16, 17 year career of learning the craft of actual radio. 9-11 happens, and I start questioning, what am I here for? I recommit my life to Christ after walking away for about a decade, and I leave on a high note at that mainstream station, Rachel, and I go work for a local church because I got involved with it. They needed a high school student ministry director, and I'm like, I could do that. And radio was like, what are you doing? You're, you're getting out of the game but it was time to switch. And so for five years, it was almost like going to, for lack of a better word, seminary. I had no idea like, oh, I'll get back into radio in 09. I'll do Christian radio this time. I just thought I'll ride into the sunset doing a student ministry. So 02 to 07. And then in 07, I'm sorry, in 08, some life things happen. Uh, I I fall off the tracks and I go crawl under a rock for a year and I go back into rock radio for one year. Oh, wow. And it was the mainstream station owned a rock station. And I was like, can I just be behind a board and talk over Led Zeppelin songs? And they're like, yep. Cause they, they knew me already. And so I got my life back in order, got into counseling, got into therapy. And just my prayer was, God, if you're going to use me, you're going to have to open the door because I'm not going to go looking for it. I'm content being nobody, nobody here. And uh, that December of 2008, because of networking with a buddy at a rock station, he was working here behind the scenes as a nobody. He didn't want to be on the air anymore. He just wanted to help and serve. So he worked behind the scenes and he called me, long story short, hey, do you still listen to Christian music? And I said, yes. And he goes, what do you think about coming out here and running this place? Because I have no idea this music or whatever. And um, January 5th of 2009, I started a morning show at this Christian radio station. And the part of the deal was you're also the program director, which I'd never done before. I was like, okay, that's part of the gig. And so I still feel after 15 years, like I'm the new kid here. I still feel when I go to our big radio conference, I'm the new guy, but it's been 15 years. So, you know, I consider that feeling a good feeling. Like I still love what I do. I still believe in the the power of this, the message of this. Um, there's no greater music that makes an impact on the life of a human being than the type of music we play, in my opinion. And then I hear about it all the time. You know, I, I hear the evidence. I hear the stories. Mainstream is all about me, 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 me. It really is. 
How can I benefit from this? How do I self-promote this? Me, me, me. Uh, Faith-based radio is vertical. I'm talking about somebody else, and I'm super happy talking about somebody else. Mainstream radio, when you go to morning show boot camp conference and you walk up to one of your favorite morning shows in network style radio and go, man, I love that bit that you did that one time. And how do you do that? Well, why do you want to know? You going to steal it from me? Our radio, faith-based radio is community. As you know, it's like it's camp. networking. It's camp. Yeah. It's like church camp. It's literally like camp. <laughs> and it's catching up and it's celebrating each other. Um, I don't feel competitive like I used to in mainstream radio because you're always looking out for number one in mainstream radio, unless you're the unicorn and you're able to maneuver that type of stage. So that's so good. No, that's an incredible insight. We talked a minute ago about how you do a show in Oklahoma. I think that is definitely a peek behind the curtain. A lot of people may not realize that their local station may not be a hundred percent local. Um, you may not actually live in the market. Um, so I'm curious, how do you prep for a show like that? Is it recorded? Are you like, how do you prep to sound like you live there when you totally don't? Okay. In the world of radio, your life is show prep. So my eyes are my recording device, Rachel everything I go through, everything family related. And my family's on board with this. They have been since day one. It's everything. So for example, this morning was uh, in South Bend. Hey, has your 16 year old ever lost their retainer? Coming up after this song, I'll tell you where we found our son's retainer. And with social media and everything now, I have a photo of his retainer. Get ready, vomit alert, was in his shoe was in his tennis shoe when he got home. There's multiple angles you can go there, but that's two breaks right there. Me setting it up and then me delivering it. And then another caller going, oh, you think that's crazy. We found ours in the salad bar at the local grocery store. So there's three breaks right there that I did at six in the morning. So I have until two in the afternoon to fine tune those and turn them into one or two or even three and do it the same, except do it better in Oklahoma. Um, because they're both Christian radio station, faith-based stations, a lot of it just segues to the next thing. Today is uh, National Receptionist Day. So take a break to talk about how great receptionists are for a business, how important they are. They are the front line of defense for your business. They're the first person you see. So you're yeah. a big deal. So I took a moment to encourage them. Today is National Clean Your Room Day. How fun is that? You ever cleaned your room with a leaf blower? I have. Have you really? Oh, yeah. It was a, a morning show bit we did one time. It was <laughs> awesome. Um, today is National Third Shift Worker Day. So talking to the vampires of our culture, the ones that work yeah. all night long, and they're okay with that. Um, so I'm constantly, constantly looking for stuff to talk about, you know, stuff to relate to. I'm, uh, I love the music we play and I've invested in the artists. So I'm paying attention to what they're doing. And it's a little bit of a Rolodex kind of thing of like, I'll remember blessing offer, got his green card. And it was a, a special moment yeah. on social media. I can use that multiple times. Um, someone's got a new album on Friday. That'll get mentioned a lot. 
yeah, it, uh, what's going on in the world that's relatable to the moms that we talk to, that we've chosen as our target demo. Everything is show prep. And so it's just a matter of how you can best collect it, whether it's a notepad, uh, notes in your iPhone, or your Rain Man ability to remember that stuff. What is the tangible way of show prep? Do you have a document for each day and how far in advance do you prep? What's a good practice for show prep? For me, it's a notepad uh, and a really nice Sharpie. Or uh, I've got a little, uh, I don't have it with me, it's in my office. I have a little um, notebook in my back pocket size. I mean, if you have an iPhone, you have the world at your fingers. So we all know notes, uh, whether you're writing songs or you've got an idea. All of my Google passwords are on here, so I don't forget them. Or, um, you know, a great quote. I'm, I'm a big quote guy. So let me see here. Can I find a quote for you right off the top of my head? notes notes here's what (laughs) here's a note rachel that says ideas completely blank (laughs) lack of preparation on your part does not create an emergency on me love that then a great quote so i wrote that down no one else is an expert on someone else's experience so good Limitation Are these your free. quotes? No, I grab them from wherever. A okay. song lyric or an interview or a podcast. Uh, limitations breeds creativity. Danny Elfman is an amazing uh, soundtrack musician. If there's no deadline, I'd still be writing Pee Wee's Big Adventure soundtrack. <laughs> that resonated with me because that yeah. movie came out when I was a teenager, but and and the soundtrack is insane. But if he didn't have a deadline, you know, he'd still be tinkering. Yeah. Um, I was at a play a while back, Little Women. I can't demand that you love each other, but I do demand that you live together with respect. That's just so was, good. I thought there was something about that. Uh, if you want to tell someone you love them, don't wait. Paul McCartney. Um. <laughs> This is so me. The past is dead. We either move forward or we die with it. And then next to it, I just wrote rings. <laughs> I'm going to guess Lord of the Rings. I don't know. It probably was knowing you. Yeah. First, they will laugh. Then they will copy. Don't give up. Ooh. You catch that? You know, you got a new idea and you're excited about it and you blurt it out and others laugh at you, the naysayers. And then it becomes successful, and then you you notice that they are copying exactly what they laughed at you previously for. So good. You got some good quotes. They're not like Pinterest, I searched quotes, quotes. They're like gems. Yeah, because they, they, they meant something to me in the moment. Yeah. And where yeah. can I use that down the line, blah, blah, blah. We talked about how you wear so many hats, one of them being program director, which I have worked the closest with, with you. Um, what exactly does that mean? Okay. Uh, the sound of the station, the day-to-day maintenance of the station, the talent direction of the station. You know, for me, it's choosing the music we play. Does this fit into what we do? Uh, talent scheduling i mean day-to-day stuff that's kind of like 
My son asks me every day, how was work? And I have to do my best, Rachel, to not say, oh, fine. I got to give him something. Today, I'll probably be talking to you. I never get to be a guest on a podcast. I'm always in your chair. So this is a new experience for me. Even though I might come across confident, this I'm I'm finding myself picking and choosing my words and pausing at certain places so I know <laughs> you can edit that better and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's just the main maintenance of a radio station, maintaining that uh, the commercials play, that the right commercials play. If they don't play, I become a detective and go find out why. If a problem comes up, we try to fix it. And then we figure out why it happened. And hopefully it doesn't happen again. Um, yeah. There's it a, sounds there's like constant vigilance. Yeah. Yeah. Vacation is truly, if you can disconnect, vacation is such a, a wonderful time to disconnect from a place like this. So you're ready to come back in a week. So. Wow. Well, it's interesting because what you're describing as program director, I think from the outside world, people would say that's general manager. Maybe. How- Maybe how, why has radio separated that because of the vigilance and because it's not so much in the financials and P and L's and hiring and. Well, first of all, I don't know what P and L is. Secondly, I don't want, I don't want to know anything about the sales stuff. I don't want to know anything about that. My, my lean is to more creative stuff, but there is day-to-day stuff that does need to happen. Logs need to be massaged. Music needs to be programmed and put into the system, all that type of stuff. You know, the right content and what we're talking about needs to be in the studio at a moment's notice. But there's stuff I just don't have to deal with. And uh, I'm very vocal about that. So I don't have to. That's not my uh, that's not my skill. That's not my talent. Now, a smart person might learn that stuff to become more to have more in their arsenal. But there's just stuff I I, I don't gravitate towards at all. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to worry about that. Well, it goes back to what you said at the beginning of like, you'd rather do two things at a hundred percent than 10 things at 10%. So you have to create that boundary uh, with your energy in, I mean, the multiple roles that you play. Um, When I was growing up and listened to the radio, I thought, oh, it's Taylor Swift. She just gets on the station, which maybe she does. Or, oh, it's Chris Tomlin. He just gets on the station. That's not always the case. What, like, I thought, oh, you know, Toby drops a new single every, like, it's just automatically on the station. What goes into making decisions about songs? Because surprise, surprise, sometimes the station doesn't get on a big artist song for three, four, maybe never weeks. (laughs) Maybe there was a song in front of them that is still doing really well. I don't love this because I'm, I love new music. I love new music. I love new album. I love whatever the artist is working on next. But the radio listening audience, the majority, Rachel, they love familiar. They want familiar. They don't care about the new Toby Mac song because they like the one that was just on the radio that they've been hearing for six months. They're not ready for that because they want familiar. You know, when they're flipping a dial, when you're in the radio, if you're still flipping the dial and you're, you're looking for your favorite song or a song that resonates with you in that moment, there's no way you, I think I know you all, there's no way you're flipping a radio dial to go, I can't wait to hear a new song from someone I don't know. 
There's no way. And if you want to listen to music with that type of lifestyle, we now have Spotify with sub, 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 sub genres and, you know, whatever. But the majority, the higher percentage of a radio listening audience wants familiar. I was in Charleston for spring break and somebody pre-programmed our rental car radio. And I noticed I was doing it. If there was a song yeah. that was on, I was like, man, I'd hit the next button. Not because of the station, but it's like, I'm just looking for the next song that's going to make the three of us happy in the car. But I do find myself because I drive a 2009 Toyota Corolla. There's no Bluetooth. There's the CD player doesn't work. It's only radio in my car. There's no aux plug. Um, and I find myself when I do that, if I've heard a song too much, I'm so sick of it. It makes me want to throw up. So how do you create that balance of familiar? And I'm so freaking tired of this. Just serve me the new song from my favorite artist because I've heard it everywhere. If if my top 40 station wasn't playing Antihero by Taylor Swift within three weeks, I think, what is wrong with you? I've heard it everywhere else. Right. That station right there is waiting for it to become a hit. You know, there's uh, th that would be off the top of my head, an adult contemporary station. We have one in town. They play the hits when they're coming down the chart and they've been at number one. So they've been tested. They've been tried and true and they're not afraid to play it because they, they want the dentist who leaves it on all day long for nine hours, you know, super vanilla programming. The DJ is never going to say anything that would ruffle anybody's feathers. And every song is, Oh, I know that song. Oh, I, I know that song. Their, their job is to make sure the rotation is good enough so they're not getting burnt, you know. For me, I'm going after, I want it to be as familiar as possible, as quickly as possible. So when we introduce a new song, the language is, here's your favorite new song. Favorite. Uh, it might be new to you now, but it'll be your favorite real soon. You know, like you're... Not a bait and switch, but you be, you become a salesperson, you know, a vacuum cleaner salesperson that used to go door to door. This one's really awesome. And then next week, this one's all, also really awesome. And you should buy this. Don't mind this other one that you just bought. So it's striking a healthy balance of super familiar, familiar, and then introducing new, maybe introducing new at the same time of the hour, you know. Pavlov's dog type of thing where it's like, oh, at you know, 12, I'm looking up at the clock right now. At 1240, I know we play a new song because that's where I've programmed it in the clock. Does the average Joe know that? Probably not. But if they listen long enough, like what's called a P1, like the super fan, they'll know that. Like, oh, here comes a new song. So it's striking a healthy balance. We talked about how some listeners may want something that streaming gives that radio may not be as prone to give them. So how has streaming impacted radio or radio programming? Has it at all? Yes, because everything I want is at my fingertips. Everything. So positively. Everything I want is at my fingertips. So the radio station has to be in that world with a mobile app. It has to be one of the, you know, the mobile apps. Um, because you don't have the auxiliary cord in your card, but I know you got earbuds. I can see them. So here's <laughs> hoping that you've downloaded our app and I've promoted it enough to go, hey, you know, we got a great app 
worth investing in and your favorite song is going to be on there. I've not done this yet, but I'm just uh, coming in raw, coming in hot. You know, what's wrong with your radio station creating its own playlist on Spotify and branding it with your station stuff? Like, here's the songs you'll hear on our station. So there's not a disconnect. You know, there's there's a marriage there. Um, I'm, I listen to Spotify all the time. Uh, I listen to podcasts all the time. So, but I'm I'm a unicorn that works at a radio station. There's probably smarter people that have a better answer for you for that one, but you can't just ignore it. I know that. You can't just go, ah. I mean, it's a brilliant person that's thinking about what's next. Because when I started, Rachel, I, for a very brief moment, put a needle on the record when I first started in radio, which I totally miss. I see it behind you right now, by the way. I love that record player. The Audio-Technica? Then CDs. And then CDs came along and they were either separate, like one song on a CD and you had dual decks, or then a company came along and said, we'll put all 20 of the songs on one. So you, all you do is click the little, uh, the knob, then got to, uh, computer world where all your commercial commercials and songs are now on this computer in front of me. I have no idea what's next. I haven't been reading either what's next, but you know, something's coming. It's gonna. You know, or do we go back to records because people love nostalgia and the brown sound of uh, vinyl, whatever? Um, yeah, I don't. I have no idea what's next, but it's it's uh, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Are you fearful at all for the fate of radio with streaming? No. Why? Streaming can't be local. Streaming can't be local at all. Uh, only if you don't have a subscription to Spotify, you might have some uh, geographically placed commercials, maybe, but there's still a local element that we have to bang the drum on of, hey, did you hear what happened at this school? Hey, uh, this new uh, store is open. Hey, uh, I went to a restaurant last night. You know where it's at on Edison Road. It's so great. You will not hear that on streaming. So it comes back to personality, presentation, finding a way for me to connect with you and whatever's coming out of my mouth, something that you care about that you'll come back for more. I agree. That's always been my answer. I just love knowing what other people's answers are um, because streaming, there's no host. There's no personality. I Think about people say, Oh, I don't listen to the radio. Well, do you know who Ryan Seacrest is? Do you know who Bobby Bones is? Yes, you do. Like, you definitely still listen to the radio. You just don't know you're listening to the radio because you know who those people are. You right. like the personalities. Granted, those aren't local necessarily, but you like the personalities and you want the opportunity to meet them and be like, oh my gosh, I know you and we've had this shared experience. I became close friends with my hero, my radio hero about six years ago. And I'm still in the honeymoon period of like, this is the guy I grew up listening to. And both of our lives have changed drastically. And now he encourages me in a way that nobody can because he's, he's sat in this seat before. And um, it's mind-blowing, mind-blowing that that happens uh, because there's, there's personality involved. Who was it? Who's the hero? His name's Kevin Matthews, and he was a, a radio legend in Chicago. Um, a legend. I'm going to send you a video, and you're going to watch it. 
this is usually how it goes. This is usually how our conversations go. It ends with you saying, I'm sending you a video. And it ends with me saying, okay, I know it'll be worth watching. <laughs> I really couldn't do that 12 years ago, in all honesty. It's true. Thanks, YouTube. I, I honestly can't make a reference to something. And then I'm like, I'll hope you'll see it sometime. Now it's literally, I'm talking to you. And if I'm quick enough, I'm finding it on YouTube while I'm talking to you. And then I email you the link, which I think has happened before. And then, oh, we, end up, then we end up watching it together. I like, know. Watch <laughs> or <this> like you'll <laughs> Working in radio is not nine to five Monday through Friday. It's no. a lot of evenings. It's early mornings, maybe overnight shifts. I know some stations that still do that. Weekends, sometimes holidays. You have two kids and a wife. Uh, congrats on 29 years of marriage, by the 29. way. Thank it's you. Amazing. What are some boundaries or rules or rhythms that you would recommend to those pursuing a career in radio to start out of the gate with? Because it's always harder to backtrack. Here's going to be the big two. I could say 20 things right now, but I'm going to give you the big two. Okay. Okay. Number one, you do what you have to so that you can do what you want to. You are going to have to go work a janky shift. You're going to go have to intern at the janky record label. You are going to have to go set up the janky remote at the janky radio station and clean up afterwards because you know that the payoff's coming down the road and someday you'll be up on top if you stick to it. You do what you have to so you can do what you want to. You go work for three thirty-five an hour for a couple of years, you know? Granted, that was minimum wage in the 80s, but that's that's when I started. I do not make 335 anymore. I'm so glad you clarified that. I wanted to. I was going to be make, worried for you. <laughs> I to make sure people knew what year we were recording this in. Number two, when the end of the day comes, and sometimes those hours can kind of stretch, but there needs to come a point when, you're, when you go, can this wait till tomorrow? This will be here tomorrow, right? Okay, I'm going to go home. Um, my temperature gauge these days is 3:42 p.m. 3:42 is when my son steps off the bus and into our driveway and I have worked a type of shift for so long where I'm used to being home when he's home before he's home or real close to it. So he's the most important thing right now. My wife is used to it because of the schedule we've had for so many years, but everything works around 3:42. You know, everything works around 6 a.m. That's when I start on the radio morning show. So whatever it is that I have to do, uh, for example, I'll show this to you for evidence. My alarm clock every day is 3.30. Oof. 3.30, and then you see the uh, safety precautions underneath? 3.40, 3.45, and then, oof, you would be late at that 6.45 one. That was, that was for something else I was doing. But I never go past the first one. I am always up at 3.30. And just because I know it takes me a second to get ready. It takes me 24 minutes without traffic to get to work. And then remember when I was like, what did I leave that could wait till tomorrow? It's tomorrow. So I either do it in the morning or whatever. So before your shift, do what you have to. So you can do what you want to. And at the end of the day, hey, can this wait till tomorrow? If the answer is yes. Walk out the door. You are so good at that because I'll call you and you'll be like, hey, I can talk, but I'm on my way to take my son to basketball or, Hey, we can talk, but I'm, when I get home, I'm going like you are so good at when you're home, you're home. 
you're present, you're at least you're not taking my call. Um, you talk about your son so often. You are probably one of the most present parents I know. Thank you. Um, are we getting into parenting? We can do that. I was in a, I was invited into a small group a while back and we, we were in a chapter in the book about parenting and we went around the table and I said, here is my secret to parenting. And this is going to rub people the wrong way. I do the exact opposite that my parents did. I do the exact opposite. And that got some looks and that came back to that line of first they laugh, then they copy. Yeah. And they're like, what do you even mean by that? And I said, there's stuff that my parents cared about that in the grand scheme of things just don't matter. Here's some stuff my parents never did with me. Tell me how much money they made. I have no idea financially where our family was at. Both of my kids know exactly what I make, when I get a raise, any of that stuff. You can't be shy with that because they're learning from you, Rachel. Right. They have a front row seat to life from me. So I literally, it's like George Costanza on Seinfeld. There was a great episode. I'm going to do the exact opposite of everything I've ever done. That's yes. what I do with my parents. My parents disciplined a weird way. I don't do it that way. Um, yeah, we do a lot of things just differently and it completely works. It really works. Um, I was forced to go to church. I had no choice whatsoever. We don't do that. Turns out both kids actually like going to church, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. So anyways, being fully present. There's so many music videos out these days. Well, they'll show a parent who's too busy to do anything with their kids. I grew up that way. I grew up eating dinner, standing up at the counter with a warm diet Coke and a hot dog because my mom worked until ungodly hours and then went to another job. My dad worked ungodly hours, then went to what he would call odd jobs because they liked their toys. And so they wanted to make extra money. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be really good at what I do. And then you're going to pay me and then we'll figure out the rest. I know that sounds self-serving, but that goes back to, I want to be home when he's home. I want to go to his sporting events. I want to go to Comic-Con. Yeah. People think I go to that stuff for me. I go because my wingman is my 16 year old. And we have a blast. It's something and you both love. Like you've done such a good job at joining your life with your son through his teenage years and having joint interests and respect. It's, it's really, it would be an incredible case study. <laughs> yeah. You got to take your kids on your adventures. You got to plan yeah. the adventures and you got to take them on the adventures with you. So you do a great job. Thank you. Talking about all that we've talked about, about, leaving mainstream, going into Christian music, liking the music that you play, podcasting, the nominations, the awards you've won at Christian Music Broadcasters, being able to leave at 342 to be with your son. Would you say that you're living the dream? You know, I stopped saying that a while ago because I, for a while I believed it. And then it started to sound like satire to me like a bad song lyric. I'm li you know, when someone go, how you doing? I'm living the dream. And I think it was during the pandemic post pandemic, because now more than ever, we're dealing with anxiety and depression and mental health stuff. So I'm going to assume that when Rachel calls me 
on a Zoom call or on a phone and goes, how are you doing? I'm going to assume that you genuinely care. So I'm not going to write it off with a, oh, I'm living the dream. I'm going to tell you, depending on how much time you have. And I would assume it's going to be the same thing too. If I tell you how you're doing, absolutely. I'm going to sit and listen and I'm going to be alert and listen in that moment or whatever. So I've rejected living the dream saying it. Am I living my dream? I didn't know it was my dream, Rachel, but I love what I do. I didn't know it was this. Um, I didn't know podcasting could be so fun after five years. That is a labor of love. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. (laughs) That's a ton of work, but when you hear how it is inspired or encouraged someone else or they heard something and it did something to them, it's, it's the same thing, if not even more like working in radio, you know? Um, yeah. Am I living the dream? I didn't know it was my dream to begin with, but I, I love what I do. So. For those who are watching uh, the video piece, last question, what is behind you, Corey? So this is our brand new production studio suite two dose. And my eyesight is so bad. Even with my glasses, when you're working with uh, Adobe audition, what's up? production nerds, (laughs) they don't allow you to make the font bigger. So depending on your monitor in front of you, it can be really small or you put a big screen on the wall so you can do production stuff. I saw like record producers and engineers start putting big screens on the wall and using Adobe up there. So when Adobe is not up there, I Googled uh, 4k resolution animals. Isn't it beautiful though? Like, I mean, you've been, I know you've been watching. I've been watching and I was going to comment on the zebras and be like, that's my favorite animal. But then I figured I'd save it for the end and have this be the final. If you've made it this far, we will tell you what is behind Corey. Yes. And uh, a word of warning, if you're going to watch 4K vacation spots, that's the best one. It's so great. And you're just like, how can I make more money? So I can go there. It would be a great motivator. That hut surrounded by perfect blue water, you know? 30th anniversary coming up. Giving you some ideas. That's in the works. We're going somewhere. Hey, and thanks for listening to us today. I'm Rachel Hessian, your host of the Springboard Music Podcast. 